Welcome to the Data Points Podcast, created by the Bloomberg Center for Government Excellence at Johns Hopkins University, called GovX. We explore the ways the public sector is using data to understand complex issues, engage residents, and ultimately improve quality of life, particularly for underserved communities. My name is Evan Serpik, and I'm Director of Communications at GovX. In this role, I help spread the word about the work that GovX does to help cities use data creatively and effectively to improve the lives of residents across the U.S. and the globe. Today, we're taking a look at City AI Connect, a global learning community and digital platform for cities to trial and advance the use of generative artificial intelligence to improve public services. We're joined today by three great guests, Beth Blauer, Associate Vice Provost for Public Sector Innovation at Johns Hopkins University and the founder of GovX, Mary Conway Vaughn, Deputy Director of Research and Analytics at GovX, and Denise Riedel, Chief Innovation Officer for the City of South Bend, Indiana. I'm going to start with Mary. Can you tell us a little bit about City AI Connect, a little bit more about City AI Connect and how and why it was developed? Sure. So in preparation for City Lab in 2023, we were in conversation with Bloomberg Philanthropies about the research that they were doing around generative AI and how cities were using it. And what became apparent in those conversations is that some cities were all in, some cities were hesitant, um, some were in the process of developing guidelines, policies, and things like that. And seeing that sort of variation across the board, and in some cases, hesitancy to explore even the concept of incorporating generative AI, it became apparent that there was an opportunity to create a community for people to learn from each other, to have these conversations, but limited to local level government leaders, as opposed to a broad network of people who have varying interests in the conversation. So that's really where it came from, is to create this community that not only facilitates peer learning, peer sharing, but also provides the opportunity to share resources, really, um, because everyone who is involved in the community is really interested in boosting each other and sharing what they've learned thus far. Can you also just mention who the community is for and why it's it's so exclusive in a way? Certainly. The community is intended for local level government officials. So city leaders, township leaders, people who are elected officials, but also staff and managers of all things public service. And it's limited to that level because that's where the needs are most similar. If you have variation in the stratification of government, then the interests are going to be different. And so this is really a agile, nimble, scrappy, brass tacks collection of people who are looking to share and learn from each other. Right. And it doesn't include people from the general public, I guess, because... Correct. The The interests is, are varied. And so if you're talking about different ways of potentially leveraging ChatGPT and things like that, then if you have people who are generally from the public as opposed to elected or city staff, you will have different interests that weigh in that interrupt the flow of the conversation a little bit. And also, they have a tendency to ask questions that maybe are distracting from the implementation notion that we want to maintain. Right. Turning to Beth, this microphone might look very familiar to you because you recently testified before Senate on a similar microphone. And I just wanted to... Um, Bring that up a little bit because you talked about both the promise and the risks associated with cities looking to adapt AI. Can you talk a little bit about that and how City AI Connect can help cities navigate those things? Yeah, I think with any kind of data initiative, particularly 
in cities, there is some risk, right? We've seen some of the worst that data has to offer in cities. So if you think about the stop and frisk policing and some of the like early versions of Comstat and some of the early versions of like kind of gaming data in order to rapidly succeed in achieving outcomes, there have been really clear examples of how data can be really complicated in its practice. And AI is exponentially riskier because it is essentially taking kind of the history or legacies of some of those, some strong data practices, but not strong data practices, and then has the potential to carry them forward in ways that is, you know, designed to kind of rapidly get to outcomes. I'll give you another kind of concrete example. Some of the most, I think, dangerous data that we use as cities is in the design of cities, many times is powered by redline maps. Redlining is a practice that has historically sort of divested of communities, particularly black and brown communities across our country. If you're using redline maps as the sort of foundational data that kind of powers decisions on how and who gets your trash collected, where you deploy policing resources, where you deploy core basic services, then you're going to be taking kind of the legacies that are in what, you know, could be thought of as an innocuous data set, where the properties are and who owns the properties and carrying forward decisions that could have really disproportionate impacts on those populations. AI will profoundly shift that. And I think cities understand that. They understand that their data houses are not in order. They don't necessarily know the foundational places where their data is derived, the decisions that went into how data is collected, the systems that have been used to collect that data. And so then to have generative AI kind of sit on top of it and make decisions and guide legislative agendas and help you inform your budget, it can be risky. And so what we're seeing is cities grappling with how do we go back and do that systems re-engineering to make sure that we're not carrying forward those legacies of bias and disparity in the way that we think about service delivery, but then also how do we adopt what is best practices so that we can make sure that the money we are investing, scarce public dollars, is paying off to the right populations. And so I think you know, those risks are very real. And a community like City I Connect gives a safe space for city practitioners to come together and grapple with some of these really big challenging pieces around both the underlying infrastructure of data and also how the technology can be safely used. This is like not even scratching the surface of where those risks are because it's not just about caring for those bad legacies. It's protecting individual information. It's making sure that PII isn't released to the public, PII being personally identifying information. And so there are all kinds of risks that are associated when we start talking about a, a very robust data practice. And when we bring in automation, machine learning, advanced analytics, if you don't have a very tight governance over those inputs, though that, that, fundamental foundational data, you have a very high likelihood of sort of exacerbating a lot of the problems that have been plaguing cities for generations. Well, that's, that's really helpful. Thank you so much. And we're really grateful to have Denise here with us to talk to us from a city and someone on the ground who is 
in a way, grappling with some of these issues. Can you tell us a little bit, Denise, about how you're approaching AI in South Bend? Absolutely. So there are about five ways I think about generative AI in, in city operations and how it affects my job as chief innovation officer. Uh, and I'm also head as chief innovation officer. I am uh, functionally a chief information officer as well as I um, am over IT at the city of South Bend. So I, I think my perspective on this is, is interesting. But there are five five things I think about. One is just governance, right? So that's probably top of mind for every CIO in, in the country. Uh, we're thinking about data security, thinking about privacy. We are worried about the way our employees are using generative AI tools. And we want to make sure that not only in terms of how they're using it, but also in terms of how we're procuring and partnering with vendors, uh, that we're being really critical about data security, storage, and we're thinking about the future and, and how that's going to work out. Very connected to that, the second thing is training. So how are we empowering our workforce to use this and embrace efficiencies of generative AI while still being very respectful of the drawbacks and the limitations of generative AI? How are we giving them baseline education to make sure from a data security perspective, they're not putting any sensitive data into generative AI that they know from a data retention standpoint, they understand anything that they put into a generative AI tool, any prompt is operable. That's like FOIA in the state of Indiana. So there's a lot of training and education that needs to happen on a basic level with, with our employees. And then also on a use specific level with some of our teams, there's tons of use cases when it comes to legal, when it comes to procurement. So we're trying to work with those city teams to make sure they understand what's possible when it comes to generative AI and how these tools can transform their day-to-day -day at the city. Connected to governance is procurement. So we're actually uh, running into this issue now where we have a formal procurement process at the city of South Bend. Many cities will have a step in their procurement process where a person like me reviews a contract if it's technology-related or data-related. Now we have a lot of uh, generative AI tools that are zero-dollar tools, right? And so they don't go through a procurement process. And it's, it's fascinating because generative AI, so many companies are experimenting with it, sort of in this pilot stage. We're all building this airplane as we're flying it. There's tons of opportunities like this where a vendor might reach out to our parks and recreations department and want to partner with them and, and implement a generative AI tool on top of their data. If that's a $0 contract, it might not ever come my way. And so we're kind of seeing from a tech governance and procurement standpoint, we're seeing that we need to revisit those things, not only figure out how we need to think critically about how we use generative AI at the city, but then how we have to fold it into our typical governance and procurement processes. Very important is ethics, right? So at the city, we care deeply about the ethical implications of generative AI. And I think Beth mentioned some really important things around bad data in, bad data out. That's a big concern. So even just from a strategic perspective, are we using generative AI appropriately, right? I'll give you an example. So 311 data, universally, it's a very helpful data set that any city collects, but it's inherently flawed, right? Because wealthier neighborhoods report potholes more, <laughs> right? People who have more time, they, they tend to engage with the city more. They tend to trust the city more that correlates with higher income neighborhoods and people. If we were to, in an effort to be more efficient about filling potholes, put in five years of 301 data to try and understand or predict where we should fill potholes, 
that's actually not a great use of a generative AI tool, right? Because that's not necessarily the best data. But a better use of generative AI would be to very thoroughly, and this is something that we do with the city of South Bend, go over every lane mile in South Bend, collect images, and use a generative AI tool instead to identify where current potholes are, right? And so there, there is a question of generative AI and their its strategic use and how that interacts with equity. So that's an important consideration. Even just beyond that too, down the horizon, we see things happening around smaller level procurement at the city. You know, we we have tons of contracts where we support a local designer to build a logo, or we have people write things for the city. We have community partners translate things for the city. We're going to fundamentally transform the way we work with these types of contractors because of generative AI. And I think what's probably on the mind of many cities is what does that look like? What is like the ethical guidance around when we stop using that local designer or how we contract with that translation partner? And, you know, it's not necessarily a black and white thing because we're going to save taxpayer dollars, right, Uh, with efficiencies. And we're not always going to replace something that someone would do. We just altered our contract with a a translation service here in South Bend, where they're going to be reviewing documents that we put through a generative AI tool that will translate all of our documents, right? And so from a partnership standpoint, generative AI will be changing a lot of things. The last thing to mention, of course, is probably the biggest thing on the minds of the workforce in the city of South Bend. We deployed a survey to our staff and there was general anxiety and optimism about generative AI. And a lot of the questions people had were about the future of work. You know, what's this going to do to my job? (laughs) How is my team going to change? So I think a big challenge for all of city leadership at every level really is managing that change, giving people training, understanding and figuring out how city processes might change in the long run and trying to manage that change now. Because even if we're not talking about it, it's on it's on our workforce's mind. Wow, that's great. That is definitely a lot to navigate. And um, I love the example of potholes and sort of thinking about new ways to use AI versus how you might naturally traditionally look at using that data. It's really helpful. So I know that you are one of, I think, almost 400 City AI Connect users. So I'm just curious what your experience there has been like and if that has helped you navigate some of these issues. Yes. City City AI Connect is has has been great. Mary mentioned it's specifically for people who are grappling with these policies at the local level. And it's just very, it's wonderful to be able to sign on and know that I'm speaking with peers. I can swap notes with them. I can save and share in-progress guidelines with them to get feedback. That's that's just amazingly helpful because we're all in the same boat. We're all trying to figure this out. We're all trying to find compelling use cases. It's amazing how fast this technology is changing. And it's hard to keep up with, frankly. And so the fact that we have this virtual avenue to go down, we don't have to only rely on conferences and panels and and other avenues for convening and collaborating is great. And so I've, I've really appreciated it. It's been very helpful. That's great. Great to hear. Thank you. I want to take it back maybe to the big picture again and come back to you, Beth. Can you talk a little bit about how this tool, City AI Connect, connects with the mission of GovX and of Johns Hopkins University 
of bringing data um, and more innovation to the public sector generally? Yeah. So I'll start from the the very high level, which is the, the university perspective, which is this is, I think, a profound shift in the role that higher ed is going to have in the way that we support civil society. And what a wonderful opportunity for an institution like Johns Hopkins to host a networked community that can not just help practitioner connections to flourish, to learn from each other, to create a nucleus of best practice as we are monitoring the evolution of a technology that's going to transform all of our lives, honestly. But the potential to then match that with cutting-edge research, with the kind of academic assets that we have here institutionally, I think is unmatched. And I think it's one of the ways that I think Our work at GovX and our work across the institution with our new school of government and public policy, with some of the new initiatives around AI and data science, this is the exact kind of manifestation of how Johns Hopkins is showing up as a translator, as how do we take a new technology, a new set of resources that are going to be brought to market and actually make them deeply practical for the problems that people are trying to solve. And in our case, it's cities, it's mayors, it's senior leaders. And so I think it's an incredible opportunity for us institutionally, but I also want to call out the kind of bigger shift that this is not a long-tail research project. This is an actualized immediate set of resources that cities can tap into and can actually use to help inform policymaking in real time. And and that is new, is it exciting, and it's something that Hopkins, I know, is incredibly excited about, particularly from the sort of opportunity that I have from an interdisciplinary perspective to be weighing in on this. And then I think in terms of our work at GovX, you know, we are trying to make sure that we are supporting cities with the most relevant forward-thinking supports as we evolve the practices of using data to drive change in cities and to create better environments for people to live, grow, and sustain. And the only way that we're going to be able to do that is to learn from the most important people, and those are the practitioners who are in cities. And so this is a great opportunity for us to make sure that technical assistance, our trainings, all the supports that were proliferating across all of our government innovation work are deeply relevant. They're going to solve actual problems, and they're going to be powered by the people that are actually having to do the hard work of delivery in our cities. And so a platform like City AI Connects gives us an immediate set or opportunity of resources to be able to deeply inform everything that we're doing. That's great. And it definitely seems that there's... um a sense of excitement on the platform, both for the work and for the platform and the, you know, the ability to connect with these folks. Um, Mary, I wonder if you can talk a little bit about how the development of City Ag Connect sort of built on previous projects from GovX and Research Analytics and other work with the university. So the work that we have done previously to developing City AI Connect has been mostly in the realm of data visualization and translation. And most notably, that was with the Coronavirus Resource Center. So from 2020 to 2023, we had a one university interdisciplinary effort that really leveraged a lot of the expertise at the university, and GovX served as the central hub for 
oversight for project management and for that data translation. So there was this really robust data set that underlay the system that we then identified as uh, potential or used to identify potential stories, potential visualizations, and fold in subject matter expertise. The work that we did on that, in addition to other academic partnerships that we have with throughout the university, helped inform the creation of City AI Connect and the goals of it, which were to facilitate communication and conversation among subject matter experts, but then also practitioners on the field who are in the field who were using this information to make change. But the point that Denise had made earlier about building the plane as you fly it, uh, we're seeing a lot of those sorts of similar patterns with the data system around coronavirus and the evolution of generative AI that really it's new for everyone. Everyone's learning at the same time. There, so, so there really isn't, to Beth's point, opportunity for long-term research on this because the landscape is changing day to day to day. And that's why it's necessary to have this kind of community in place where you can ask questions for about whatever just landed in your inbox, some new tool that has AI embedded in it, and it's going to not meet the requirements of a contract policy that you have. Things like that need to be asked in real time among other people who are in the field. And that is something that we've seen in other projects that we've worked on where there is this sort of evolving situation that needs timely response. Mm-hmm. And I, I know the the platform is still evolving. Can you give any kind of um, sense of where things are headed and what you anticipate as the pr- platform grows? Certainly. One of the goals of the platform is not only to facilitate day-to-day communication, but also to attend to the needs of the members. So we periodically survey to understand where the gaps in knowledge are. Again, it's an evolving field, so there could be a lot of gaps, but also to understand where the real needs are of the community and to develop webinars and programming and resources against that. Community members have been really wonderful about sharing their information, their resources, trainings that they've developed, policies that they've established, guidelines, surveys, things like that, that others can use and leverage themselves. But we also want to be intentional in addressing the surfacing needs of the community. So for example, we initially held a webinar conducted by Mitch Weiss at the Harvard Business School around ChatGPT and ways that it could be used, not necessarily endorsing any of it, but just showing how one could experiment with it. And our own Beth Blauer and uh, Dr. Sarah Bertrand Delise, who is our Director of Research and Analytics, will be hosting a webinar on how to get ready and how to prepare for Gen AI and five things the city can do today in order to prepare for it. So those are the kinds of offerings that we've scheduled thus far and we'll be developing them really as people join the community and express what it is that they're looking for. That's great. And if you missed those webinars, we'll add links to the podcast page so folks can who are part of the community can see them. I want to ask one last question, and I'm going to start with you, Denise, because I think you probably have the most expertise, but then I'll give everyone a chance to respond. What piece of advice would you give to cities considering incorporating AI into their service delivery? I would, I mean, obviously you should sign up for City AI Connect. Uh, I would tell everybody to do that. But in, in all seriousness, it's a great arsenal of resources, policies, surveys. So step one, if you really have no idea where to start, I would would recommend that's a great first step. I would say one big piece of advice, as with all tech and data governance things, it's most effective, in my opinion, to govern with a mixture of sticks and carrots. 
So when you are working with a city workforce and you're trying to manage this change around generative AI and balance the need to innovate with the need to govern and mitigate risk, keep in mind, like when you deploy a policy, don't just deploy a policy, create some trainings, right? Like create resources for city teams, like sit down with city teams and listen to them about their worries, deploy a survey if you can, but as much as possible, pair the governance, the guidelines with actual resources that people can use. So that, again, you strike that good balance of innovation and risk mitigation, because that's what's going to help create that good culture of, you know, we're not afraid of this, but we also want to approach this in a smart way. That's great. And now I know, Beth, you talked to mayors about this at the Mayor's Innovation Studio, and you're giving the webinar tomorrow. Can you summarize what your advice is to, to cities about getting into AI? I don't want to spoil the content <laughs> from the webinar that's coming up, but um, I think... First of all, there's a lot of subject matter expertise in the area with both your, it could be internal to your city or it could be with anchor institutions that are around your city. So find the smart people and start asking the right questions. I don't think that we're asking mayors to become technocrats and to understand, you know, how AI is going to immediately confer a benefit, but I'm we are asking people to get started and start exploring some of those relationships that you have with practitioners, with people that have the right kinds of skills, and to ask the right questions. And then I think we do need to create some safe spaces in government to do some experimentation with the technology before we let it loose on core decision-making, core service delivery, some of the big things that we're seeing. And so you got to be able to create a safe space and then to provide some guidelines to your teams on how to start thinking about the impact the technology is going to have on governance. And the only way to do that is with a little bit of governance and to be able to have a structured set of standards or um, not even standards, but guidelines to make sure that we're kind of safely utilizing the technology, that we're not exposing PII, that we're not going to be thinking about the technology in nefarious ways and that we're being really committed to a structure that will allow us to sort of safely see the impacts that it could have on our work. Right. And Mary, I know you probably spend more time on the platform than anybody. <laughs> You're monitoring it so closely. Do you have anything to add in terms of um, cities looking to get in the game? Well, I, I think something that everyone needs to bear in mind is that oftentimes people who are in positions of leadership within a city are a little lonely with respect to the role that they play. And City AI Connect affords the opportunity to be less lonely. But I also firmly believe that Anytime you are embarking on anything new, you it, it, it benefits you to create a culture that allows questions to be asked and engage in things with, I don't know, a little humility to hear that maybe you might be going in the wrong direction or something like that. I think the, the more that you can invite stakeholders into your conversations, knowing, of course, ultimately decisions rest with people in positions of authority, I think if you can have a variety of perspectives um, that are folded into any decisions that are made, that's really helpful. And one of the things that I have observed is that the community as it exists today is not exclusively mayors. It's not exclusively CIOs and CDOs. There are business analysts who have joined, urban planners who have joined. So yesterday, an artist in residence joined. Uh, so it, there's really a wide variety of local leadership perspective that you could also tap into. But I would encourage you to also do that within your own city administrations. 
That's great. Thank you so much. And really, I want to thank all of you so much for being part of this today. It's been such a great conversation, so much information. And thank you for listening. To learn more about the City AI Connect platform, visit cityaiconnect.jhu.edu. If you'd like to learn more about GovX, you can find us at govx.jhu.edu. And please make sure to fill out our listener survey and subscribe on your podcast app of choice. Thanks for listening.